When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, there is this um, um, higher bookkeeper. There's a universal bookkeeper, accountant, who keeps track of every act of giving out there. Called it the field of consciousness, where there's an algorithm, an intelligence that keeps track of every act of giving. And having faith in that field is essential. Now, the approach I took, Aditya, was a very radical one. You know, deleting that file and then simply just announcing to the world, like, you know, all my masters before me, they've all given with complete detachment, with full practice of the third law, the law of detachment. And so am I going to do. You know, there are also perhaps a, a, a more incremental, measured way of embracing uh, this way of unconditional giving that is, you know, just simply take the seven laws into your life and start experimenting with each one of them in an incremental fashion. You know, try out, ask yourself, what does the law of exchange mean for me? How can I uh, embody or, or uh, inculcate the law of uh, exchange in my life or the law of echo in my life? In those gradual measures, you will start noticing you are rewiring your old habits. The seven chakras, swirling vortices of energy positioned throughout our body from the base of the spine to the crown of the head. For thousands of years, this ancient wisdom has been passed on from master to disciple. What are the functions of these energy centers? And could these chakras help you unlock your destiny and find your true purpose? Welcome to My 7 Chakras. And now, your host, Aditya Jai Kumar. What's up, Action Tribe? AJ here, host and founder of My 7 Chakras, my7chakras.com, the show where we help you calm your mind, relax your nervous system, and experience deep states of bliss. In today's episode, I chat with Sujit Ravindran about powerful topics such as abundance, giving and receiving, trusting the universe, and living your dharma, your purpose, while allowing the universe to fully support you on your sacred divine mission here on planet earth so if you like this topic and if you'd like to support us then make sure that you hit the subscribe button especially if you're on youtube or maybe if you're on itunes or spotify hit the subscribe or hit the follow button because that does something to the algorithm allows more people to get to know about our podcast and this episode and that's one small way in which you can help us and stay tuned 
Um, and before we actually start today's amazing episode, which I'm really looking forward to, let's listen to our latest lovely iTunes review written by a user named Masala Girl on iTunes. And she says, inspirational podcast. I love listening to the My 7 Chakras podcast. Informative and inspirational. AJ has fantastic guests and a great interviewing style. A must for anyone looking for tools and techniques for living their best life. So if you'd like for me to read out your review as well, uh, then make sure you go to my7chakras.com forward slash review. my7chakras.com forward slash review. Write out your thoughts and I'll read it out. All right. So with that being said, let's bring on our special guest for today, Sujit Ravindran. Sujit Ravindran is a contemporary mystic and a serial author. He helps leaders, institutions and movements in the social, political and business domains access unforeseen realms of awareness and fulfill their true reason for existence. He is the author of The Seven Mystical Laws of Abundance and the founder of the Being Abundance Movement. For work around spiritual upliftment, he was also awarded the honor of the Ambassador of Peace in 2012 by the Council of Assisi in Italy. So, Sajid, how are you doing? Welcome. Good morning, or should I say good evening, Aditya. Thank you for having me here. Thank you. Absolutely. It's such an honor to connect with you, and thanks to technology, we both are able to actually enjoy the benefit of the sun, except that I'm enjoying the dawning of the sun, so to speak. And I guess in your place, the sun is sort of setting down, but it's still the sun. (laughs) Italia, you know, it's uh, uh, a few minutes past 6 p.m. in Italy. Yeah. So uh, evening time. Wonderful, wonderful. And uh, Sujit, with all my guests, I usually start with the very beginning, um, or at least beginning in this human form. Where were you born and brought up? And what was your, you know, childhood like? Me, Um, I was born in India, uh, in Kerala. I don't know where uh, in India are your roots from. Mumbai. Growing up as a country boy, you know, with the little delights of making those paper boats and floating them in the rainwater and, uh, you know, running after the the ducks and the frogs. I, perhaps the most, the matter of most distinction in my life was um, finding my first teacher Mm. at a very young age. And uh, while I went to the regular schools, uh, Aditya, in parallel, the thing that enamored me even more was the, the subjective education of life with these masters, with these teachers. You know, you go to school Mm. and you learn about geography and history and chemistry. Mm. Whereas with these masters, you learn about life, Mm. love, joy, fear, uh, health, uh, the purpose of existence. And that subjective side of my education is something that I've loved so much. And I've grown up with that. And I, until 22, 
I was in India. I went to university, my first university there. But always in parallel, there was this other education that was continuing that was about the spiritual sciences, about consciousness, about the subjective self. That's pretty much how it's been. And since then, from 22, been traveling, living abroad, many different continents, uh, many different roles, activities. You know, there's a beautiful saying, you know, you travel to find yourself. Mm. Uh, very true. Very true. Mm-hmm. And the older and older I get now, I see Aditya that, you know, uh, a deeper connection, uh, returning to India, uh, wanting to discover more of myself, reconnect with the, with the immense spiritual ocean that India is, deepening that connection in spite of the lockdown, the COVID and all of that. Mm. And uh, Italia is such a beautiful place to be. Uh, you know, uh, middle of the world mm-hmm. in a certain way, yet close to India. And it gives me space to just be with myself very often. Very, very true. I mean, I love what you shared there. And you said Italy is very close to India. It is, I think, very close to India, physically as well as culturally, because if you think about it, back in the times of the Roman Empire, there was a lot of trade that happened between Italy, the Roman Empire, as well as South India in particular, Kerala, because of the spice trade. And at one Mm. point, I think there was a Roman senator, Pliny, uh, the elder, who complained at the senator and saying that, you know, this must stop. We're sending all our gold to India. What's happening? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm not sure a lot of that is happening these days. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, but indeed, you know, you look at it. Uh, you know, Italians. My wife is Italian, by the right. way, and uh, you know, you look at their culture, customs. You know, their uh, excitement about their festivals and holidays mm-hmm. very similar to India. Right. Same thing. Uh, you know, the breadth and tastes of their food in Italia. Very much like India, the family values, the relevance and importance they give to family. Um, again, very, um, very similar to how it's in India. And thinking of family, um, I also know you told me that your um, mother is uh, recovering these days from COVID. Mm-hmm. And um, I want to send my thoughts my prayers, my energy to her mm-hmm. uh, for a rapid healing. And of course, uh, Aditya, strength to you in these moments. Yeah, I mean, if we think about the spiritual journey, this is the ultimate test that I have gone through, me and my family. And just being in a position where I am so helpless across the seven seas, across the world, when they are not allowing you to travel that much. and Even in Mumbai, my mom is in the hospital, still on ICU, behind the doors, where you don't get to see her. Sectors who are looking after her, giving her the medicines. I feel that the healing energy that we're able to send, or maybe the prayers, sometimes could could be equally or even more powerful in being able to, you know, allow her 
for her lungs to strengthen, heart to strengthen, and then come out of this stronger than before. So thanks a lot for the prayers. Beautiful. Uh, so Sujit, you've shared so much so far. You said that you met your guru, your teacher at a very young age that really allowed you to have that subjective experience of what this world is like and what the spiritual experience is like. And then at the age of 22, you uh, decided to travel. And when you said that, what came to my mind was the story of Bilbo Baggins from Lord of the Rings. I'm not sure if you... importance of travel. And when he was home for too much time, he would feel that sense of you know, nervousness that I want to go back again because in traveling, he gets to know who he truly is and gets to find mm. home. Um, yeah. and, and so my question to you is, uh, what was your first job like that sort of gave you an opportunity to travel to all these different countries and meet people? How did it begin for you? Uh, I, was a, I was a management consultant in the maritime industry. Okay. So that is, you know, completely different from uh, my spiritual world mm. and uh, it's for most of that life you know of course you know maritime industry means you get to travel mm-hmm. i was a thirsty young you know uh, curious about the world and uh, that's how i got um, involved also with leadership mm. with uh, you know getting into the corporate world and uh, multinationals, you know, being, uh, you know, taking me to uh, many different parts of the world. So um, it was a blessing. It was a blessing. As much the lockdown uh, has been a blessing for me mm-hmm. this last one year. Yeah, I should say one year, slightly over one year. It's been a completely, completely different lifestyle. I don't know how it's been for you and i'm curious to hear Mm. how the lockdown has been for you Mm -hmm. and at the expense of sounding narcissistic you know the last 12 to 15 months have been uh, some of the most uh, profound Mm. uh, rich uh, fulfilling months of my life and that in spite of this 180 degrees pivot Mm -hmm. from my previous life of, you know, nearly nine months every year on the road. Mm. There is a beauty in this too. Yeah. An amazing beauty. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, apart from the last, I'd say 20 days when my mom actually got admitted into the hospital, I'd say for the most part, the lockdown has really taught me a lot about life. It has allowed me to serve and support people uh, mm. through breath work, through meditation. It has allowed me to go within, uh, experience my blocks, experience my darkness, experience my challenges, and also find a way to actually use what I learned in order to go beyond. And knowing that, you know, this is not the end. This We're going to come out of this. This is a temporary phase. And also, you know, being kind to others also, I think. That's important. This phase is creating a lot of divisiveness and knowing that everyone is doing their best with the information that they have and with the opportunities they have. So, yeah, that's a great way of putting it. You know, everyone is trying their best. Yeah. Yeah. So, Sujit, uh, what is your definition of abundance? Hmm. Well, 
what is irrelevant here, Aditya, is what I feel abundance is. Mm. Because, you know, I look at my two little kids. Mm. You know, for them, abundance is what? Play, love, togetherness, seizing every moment. I look at some of my neighbors, you know, old couple. You know, I live in the woods. So the nearest neighbor is like a, uh, uh, quite a few meters away. Yeah. Um, you know, for them, uh, abundance is quite moment together, uh, sharing moments with uh, their near and dear ones, being healthy. And here is where uh, the most important invitation, Aditya, for us is to just take a step back and ask what abundance is for me for each one of us. And just to give that space to the audience, uh, to the listeners too, you know, abundance can mean um, one of five things, five areas in life, depending on the, the priorities in our life at this given moment. For some people, money, materials, and health or health is abundance. For some other people, Love, companionship, and community is abundance. For some other people, um, success, self-worth, and identity is abundance. Mm-hmm. And for yet other people, um, meaning, purpose, and wisdom is abundance. And lastly, for some other people, self-realization, transcendence, and bliss is abundance. So, you know, Somebody who is yearning for deeper meaning and higher purpose, extending that person uh, success and identity is not going to be abundance. Right. So abundance is a very personal thing, depending on what our which stage of life we are in. So you know, I wish I could give you like a very straightforward one line answer, but the fact is, abundance is very subjective. I love that you give our audience a moment to really ponder what abundance means to you because it's so subjective. For some people, abundance could be having wealth to support themselves. For some people, abundance means they're stuck in a job that's paying a lot, but they just want a break, a vacation. For me, abundance right now is just meeting my mom. That is the abundance that I would have to see her objective experience and Sujit, one of the things you talk about is the law of exchange. And you write that the universe operates in giving and receiving. So could you tell us more about this? Yeah, yeah. You know, Aditya, the the seven mystical laws of abundance or the seven spiritual laws of abundance, you see, these are, I, I myself, I inherited the wisdom, this wisdom, when I was very, very young, did not make any sense to me then. Perhaps at an unconscious level, I knew that these laws were relevant, were true. But perhaps at an intellectual level, I wasn't ready to embrace them. And it's only been in the last 15 years that I have uh, truly embraced those laws and made those laws the the modus operandi 
of my life of these seven laws the first the first law perhaps the foundational law is the law of exchange this is it can be interpreted in a very very holistic way if you want or it can also be interpreted in a very mundane way in our daily lives in the holistic sense the sages recognize that you know what we call the universe you know constantly operates in the force field of the masculine and the feminine the two energy forces you know the force field in which all of manifestation all of birthing all of creation and destruction happens and if you don't keep that giving receiving giving receiving the energy flowing then there's not going to be a universe which if we translate aditya into our regular life you know mm. just look at a relationship that you have uh, you know with a partner or a friend or a neighbor or a business partner if you stop practicing giving after a while you will notice that that universe you know that microcosm of a universe called your relationship mm-hmm. will slowly disappear if you stop giving common sense now perhaps a bit counterintuitive for most of us is the receiving part the capacity to unconditionally receive kids are fantastic at that you know kids don't have any thoughts about receiving you give them something they'll take it grab it and run they don't stand there wondering wait a minute you know now what do i give back in return you know now should i be giving her a, a glass one day in the future or maybe i should find myself some flowers to give to her no kids have no such filters to receive they are the best examples of unconditional receiving so back to the the first law the law of exchange the universe operates in giving and receiving it it comes down to our capacity to unconditionally give and unconditionally receive you know giving means giving for the pure joy of giving not you know absorbed like many capitalists that i know around me they are absorbed with one question you know what's in it for me nothing like that you know come at it from innocence discover the pure joy in the act of giving and give for for the sake of that joy <laughs> same thing unconditional receiving receive like a kid that is practicing the law of exchange you know how to book flights and hotels all you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive that's why you need viator book guided tours activities excursions and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable 
Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Right, that is so wonderful. And meanwhile, I noticed there's a crow that is wanting to get in on, on our conversation. So I'm just going to close the window a little bit. <laughs> Not at all. I've actually enjoyed that crow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I love uh, that we have all these different planetary forces that want to get in on this wonderful conversation. But, you know, for for the, uh, for the years of our listeners, I just want to be a bit mindful. Uh, but what you're saying is so true because, you know, when we think about either giving or receiving, there's so much of emotion involved, right? Especially when we are receiving, we're always thinking about, you know, what is that better gift that I can give to that person because I want to tap into reciprocity. I want to make them make myself look good in terms of them. Because also on the other side, when someone gives, there's an expectation of return either today or tomorrow, or maybe uh, you need to do a favor for me. So there's always this, you know, weird emotions that are there in receiving, but also giving. Uh, because mm. you're, yeah, so that's really interesting. And uh, hopefully it brings into awareness um, the status quo and, the importance of unconditionally giving. That's so important. <laughs> and receiving. And, and receiving. receiving. Indeed, you know, you, you touched upon, you know, two impediments to the practice of the law of exchange. You know, this idea of a reciprocity that somehow because of our inner lack, there is a conditioning. And we've actually... Many of us, we've even made it our reciprocity. For me to feel my self-worth, I expect reciprocity in this relationship. That is, that is lack. That is lack. You know, why am I o- obsessed with uh, reciprocity? That means I'm attached to the outcome, the rewards, which is, the, which is counter to the third law of abundance, the law of detachment. So what we receive is proportional to the level of detachment, level of my detachment from the rewards. But if, as you put it, you know, you use two words, you use the word reciprocity and you use the word expectation of returns. That is counter to the third law of abundance, the law of detachment. Um, a detachment from the rewards 
and knowing the first law that the universe operates in giving, receiving, giving, receiving, knowing that's how the universe operates, that, you know, if I give, so shall I receive. Knowing that, to what extent can I completely detach from the reward and discover the joy of giving? And that obviously means resolving any attachment I have to ideas like reciprocity or, you know, I expect a return for my investment. The right. return always comes. The further I'm detached from the reward, the more it multiplies. Yeah. And for someone listening to this episode right now, if you're enjoying this, make sure that you share it on your wall or in your group because, you know, I'm really enjoying this conversation and we are sharing so much. So, you know, the small button that you can press, it will make a huge difference. Um, so, Sujit, you also said that the universe does not give back in the same order in which it is given. So help us explore this a little bit, the order part of it. <laughs> you know, it's, um, there are many dimensions to this, by the way. The fifth law, yeah. um, uh, Aditya, is uh, the law of non-locality. That means giving and receiving is non-local in time and space, right. both in time and space. You know, in space, it could mean two things. One is, you know, you give me something, Aditya. If you really look at the law of abundance, mm -hmm. what you receive back may not necessarily be from me. You know, like this incredible gift that you're offering people, breath work and, and meditation and all of that in these lockdown times, especially in these lockdown times, it's become so important for people to use the opportunity to heal themselves mm -hmm. because a lot of people are suffering from isolation from loneliness. And I, I don't want to sound insensitive. I don't want to sound narcissistic. But there is a simple realization, however provocative it may sound mm -hmm. to some of our listeners. There's a, a simple realization that when I feel lonely, mm -hmm. when I'm alone, it is a symptom of lack of self-love. If I love myself, if I rejoice my own company, if I love my companionship, mm. how am I alone? Right. You know, I am there for myself. I mean, I as capital I, you know, I'm there for myself. You know, I'm never alone that I'm in the, in the presence of the self. Mm. And through the presence of the self, I am in the presence of all my beloved ones, mm -hmm. all my ancestors and forefathers and foremothers and all of that. You know, we are truly never alone. Mm -hmm. And it is just in that practice of self-love that we experience that irreplaceable companionship. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I, COVID times, this has become a, a very important prerogative for yeah. many, many people, lockdown times. And with this lockdown, you know, the kind of service you offer, breath work, meditation, it acquires a completely more important significance today. And yet, 
important here the fifth law of abundance the law of non locality means that and and i want to i want to acknowledge what you're doing you told me aditya that um uh you offer all your service to humanity and the planet on a donation basis you too yeah at the moment it's a one on one sessions i'm sort of going step by step into this experiment where all my one on one uh, sessions you know are fully donation based pay what you want pay what your intuition tells you and service first let me you know give you the support that you need um wow yeah and and remember the fifth law the law of non locality means it doesn't matter yeah it doesn't matter you know whether you are offering a service yeah. one on one or towards a group or towards a plant or an animal yeah doesn't matter what will happen is you will notice mm. the circle close right that means in return for what you offer what you deserve will always come to you from the most um you know uh, from a source unexpected it will come that is non locality in space and another dimension of non locality in space is you know um simple you go to a supermarket and you extend 5 dollars you get a bottle of shampoo now you see that already is a different form of exchange you know the lady at the counter is not giving you 5 canadian dollars back you're receiving something else that already in space in form is different so it doesn't matter you know what in what medium we are exchanging as long as there is exchange and the law of non locality says that the universe is non local in space that means for all the gifts that you receive you will receive back sometimes it's from parents and i know in the continent that i am living at this moment i notice also in north america also in north america i notice a lot of adults from their parents you know you're going through a difficult time you're in a in a process of discovering yourself and you don't have an income etc and your parents you know they they see you they notice you they they recognize the struggle you're in and they're like you know what i want to give you a $1000 and there are many adults you know in in this continent and also in north america that i meet who who feel bad about accepting from their parents and i i i tend to ask them lovingly though i tend to ask them like you know what's wrong what's wrong you know you're not putting a gun to somebody's head and you're demanding no you the universe knows that you need and what you need is being brought to you through your parents through the channel through 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 the government whatever it is the best gift we can offer in exchange is to have a sincere thought or word of gratitude that's enough you know case closed 
And that is the non-locality in space. Similarly, non-locality in time, Aditya. In time, you know, uh, you might be extending a breathwork service to somebody you know or a client and she might not be in a place today to, you know, offer you uh, a token of uh, appreciation in return. So be it. You know, there would come a time in the future where she or somebody else will reward you. Or maybe in the past, you already got the reward for what you are offering today. That is non-locality in time. Recognizing our rewards come not in that instantaneous moment when we give, but in the past or in the future. That is um, the non-local nature of how the universe works with abundance. And uh, opening up to that abundance with the simple recognition that the universe is a very, very generous force. That <laughs> helps me a lot. That really helps me a lot. Yeah, and I'm sensing that anyone listening to this episode right now can feel a weight lifted off their shoulders because they don't have to uh, keep score anymore, keep account anymore. You know, I owe this person this much. I owe this person that much. I got to give. And while that might be prudent or uh, the adult thing to do, what you're saying is you got to tap into uh, a bigger accountant, which is the universe, um, and know that your receiving is not going to happen from the same person. It might, but might not be from the same person, might not be exactly tomorrow or day after tomorrow, or maybe you already received it. And you're really tapping into a grander technology, so to speak. But my question is, how, how can a person who's new to this develop the trust? Because it feels like they're, we are in a boat and it's deep waters and you're encouraging them to jump into the water, hoping that there'll be some level of buoyancy that's going to push them above rather than uh, drown them. And especially a lot of people might be fathers or mothers and they've got dependents like elderly parents or even children. So entrusting the universe of give and return and that it will come back, there's, there's yeah. a little bit of risk or trust in war, right? <laughs> You know, oh, absolutely, absolutely. Like thousands of people right. have undertaken this experiment yeah. um, since I, I released the seven mystical laws of abundance. And everyone has a very unique story, Aditya, yeah. to share. You have a very unique story to share. Can you take a, a few seconds for the sake of our listeners to to lay out your process of coming to offering all your services on a donation basis? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, my thought process was, firstly, breathwork. My service is useful. And I thought to myself, inspired by you, like, who am I to put a dollar figure on the services that I offer that are one-on-one? If I raise my prices, that's limiting access to some people who need it the most. If I lower my prices, maybe I'm undervaluing myself because everyone values a particular service differently. Somebody who is exactly. deep into breath work will be like, yeah, that's good. I'm used to this. Somebody who's for the first time in breath work has a lot of stress, burnout. For them, this could be worth $1,000 because that could mean exactly. they get a new job, find a new relationship. And also, I loved your encouragement in terms of 
telling the people to go through the process of estimating what a session is worth to them rather than to me yeah. and also opening up to more abundance it felt a bit more freeing and uh, you know yeah. I'm, I'm loving it so far <laughs> <laughs> And I'm really happy to hear that you know you you stick to it. Yeah, uh, you maintain the faith and the courage. Yeah, to stay with uh, that conviction. Yeah, you know, um, you you said it right. You know that um, you it'll be just your ego if you try to put put a price tag on your service. Because mm -hmm. who are you to determine what your service is worth to yeah. me? Yeah, you know. You know, I might be in a stage of my life where my life is in complete darkness. Yeah. yeah. And I would get into practice with you. Yeah. And the light emerges. Mm. That suddenly becomes priceless. Yeah. And for you to say, wait a minute, no, this session is worth $95 or $120 or $150 or whatever, you know, the going rates are. Yeah. You know, that is presumptuous. That is an ego mm. in function. Yeah. And... Uh, I, 15 years ago, you know, uh, stepping out of the, the, the corporate world, um, you know, honoring the calling that I was feeling from within to give myself fully to this, you know, to help build a conscious uh, world. Yeah. Um, you know, I had to uh, ponder very deeply on the same question that, you have been more recently pondering on mm -hmm. and no amount of intellectual engineering can help mm. you know i remember catching myself at, at one moment this is like more than 15 years ago mm -hmm. where i used to keep a spreadsheet yeah really you know calculating how much i would need every month mm. in order to make both ends uh, do i offer every day or every week, etc., yeah. in order to make both ends meet. Yeah. You know, there came a moment in my life where I caught myself, wait a minute, I am allowing my ego mm. to dictate its way. Mm -hmm. And I'm not suggesting that our listeners take the kind of radical approach that I did. Yeah. That was one day I just deleted that spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. And I simply said, like, you know what, to hell with all of that. Mm. You know, I definitely, I simply just need to practice a faith. Mm. Faith in the, uni in the generosity of the universe. And as you beautifully put it, you know, there is this um, uh, higher bookkeeper. Mm -hmm. There's a universal bookkeeper, accountant, who keeps track of every act of giving mm -hmm. out there. Called it the field of consciousness where there's an algorithm and intelligence that keeps track of every act of giving. Right. And having faith in that field is essential. Mm. Now, the approach I took, Aditya, was a very radical one. Mm. You know, deleting that file and then simply just announcing to the world like, you know, all my masters before me, they've all given mm -hmm. with complete detachment, with full practice of the third law, the law of detachment. And so am I going to do. Mm -hmm.
This episode is brought to you by me, AJ, because I'm offering you a free Breathwork Foundations course. If you've been interested in exploring Breathwork and learning about the why behind Breathwork, including the science and evidence that makes this ancient practice so amazing, then you got to check out this course. You will discover how to correct your breathing, how to boost your immunity and protect yourself from pathogens and bacteria, what the ancients told us about breath, how to lose weight using breathwork, how to improve sleep, digestion and mental clarity using a simple breathing technique. So come enroll in this free course and learn the basics of breathwork by going to my7chakras.com forward slash free breathwork course. That's my7 is a word, my7chakras.com forward slash free breathwork course. Once again, that's my7chakras.com forward slash free breathwork course. You know, there are also perhaps a, a, a more incremental, measured way of embracing uh, this way mm-hmm. of you know, unconditional giving that is, you know, just simply take the seven laws into your life and start experimenting with each one of them mm-hmm. in an incremental fashion. You know, try out, ask yourself, what does the law of exchange mean for me? How can I uh, embody or, or uh, inculcate the law of uh, exchange in my life or the law of echo in my life? Right. In those gradual measures, you will start noticing yeah. you are rewiring your old habits. The way you were uh, attaching yourself to the reward or, you know, um, some people who are in, in light work or in spiritual work or in coaching, etc. I've met people who uh, very actively realign their portfolio of clients. Mm. So they look at the clients who are profitable, the clients who are not, yeah. <laughs> and they'd say like, you know what, hey, you know what, these are unprofitable clients, so I devote less time yeah. to these clients. And in, on my portfolio, in my portfolio, these are the profitable clients. So I'm going to give more attention to them so that my returns will multiply without that it's all integral. The, yeah. the reason why you're receiving so much abundance through the, the, the affluent clients yeah. is because of all the gifts that you offer to the less privileged or the less fortunate clients. So an important practice to do here simply is to suspend that discrimination. So it can be a very gradual measured process, uh, Aditya, to answer your question, to take each bit of this reflection into your life personally Mm. and step by step, start making those inner shifts and then you will be amazed with the amount of abundance that's coming your way. That's very true and very profoundly put. Um, sometimes I think about things but don't have the lexicon. True, you know, I, I notice all these Facebook ads and, you know, people who want to, 
you know, help you grow your business. And they're like, you know, look at your portfolio, you know, go towards the high ticket clients, people who are able to afford your services and the people who are not, let them go. They don't deserve you. And I always was not attached to that way of looking at things. I mean, I'm deeply appreciative that I got to start my journey through a podcast because it would imply that I had to put a lot of work in creating one hour, one hour, 15 minute long interviews for free without expecting, you know, much in return. And to your point, when my mom was sick in the hospital, I reached out to them in a very vulnerable way, seeking nothing but appreciation, prayers, and many of them were Reiki healers, energy healers, mm. yoga therapists. Mm. And mm. the response that I got from people, hundreds of comments, right. people praying, wow. email replies, wow. saying that I'm wow. holding your mom in your intention. She is coming out of here. That to me is the greatest uh -huh. amount of social currency. There is. There you go. And these are people there who have maybe, maybe they bought a workshop from me. Maybe they've not spent anything on me. And they themselves are going through financial difficulties. But it's just the yeah. goodwill sometimes that makes all the yeah. difference. That helps you get those high ticket clients. <laughs> you know, it is, you know, what a beautiful story. Yeah. What a beautiful story. You know, when you have so that much love in yeah. your life, Anitya, yeah. you know, what would an extra zero or an yeah. extra couple of zeros in your bank account mean? Exactly. Made it out so beautiful humanity is. Yeah. It is... I know many, many of us, you know, I hate to say it, most of us, mm -hmm. we've created a narrative in our life that people are not generous. Yeah. Uh, in a select few are generous. Mm. Not true. Yeah. Not true. Yes, because of our inner lack, many of us are obsessed with self-interest. Mm. I understand that because the ego is the force that ensures our self-preservation. Correct. And when the ego uh, hijacks our life, we will just be obsessed mm. with self-preservation. You know, how do I keep my soul and body together? Mm -hmm. And when somebody is caught up in the force of, in the consciousness of self-preservation, then to expect them to give generously to other is difficult. We understand. Mm -hmm. Yet, deep within that egoic self, there is an infinitely generous self that every single human being has. Mm -hmm. And this unwavering conviction that I have um, in the generosity of the universe of human beings that is today unshakable mm. because I have so many, so many examples because I'm a practitioner of abundance. I'm very mindful of every act of giving and receiving that keeps happening around me. And I notice over and over again how generous people are. They are incredibly generous. So mm. having that faith in the generosity of people, that is an extremely important uh, uh, groundwork mm -hmm. for abundance creation. Wonderful, wonderful. I love that what you shared is not to uh, mistake the present identity of a person with who they are 
you know, in the long term, their soul. And if one person is generous, then you are essentially interacting with the rest of humanity. You're interacting with the rest of potentiality. If one person can be generous, then the other person can be too. Just like the quote that says, you're not uh, a drop in the ocean, you're the entire ocean in a single drop. So in yeah. one single human being, you're interacting with the rest of humanity. And if one person can express that gen generosity, who knows who they were before? If you look at the yeah. author of the Ramayana, Valmiki, he was a robber in a past life, but he decided yes. to change. He wrote the yes. greatest book. <laughs> yes, absolutely. That is such a, a profound reminder for us, Aditya, mm. that uh, you know we have within us that self that is infinitely generous, that has the potentiality for generosity, for incessant generosity, mm -hmm. and holding every person in spite of how they reciprocate in a given moment, holding every person to that standard, mm -hmm. that is a very important step in our own uh, abundance creation within. Mm -hmm. So since you made that change um, to your pricing model, so to speak, offering everything on a donation basis. What is like the most interesting story or anecdote, you know, you came across that re-emphasized that you made a amazing decision for yourself and your family? Anything that comes to mind? <laughs> I could take the next two weeks mm. filling you with stories of incredible abundance. Mm. But, uh, my current favorite story mm. is the story of this home. Right. Mm. This, is, this home is a home that's located uh, in the hills um, next to Venice. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, by the way, you're located in Vancouver, BC, right? Yeah. Yes. All right. I don't, I don't know if you know that I used to have a home in West Vancouver, I don't know. I didn't know that. Okay. Uh, all right. You know, 10 years uh, in West Vancouver. And it was in 2019 that my family and I, we decided to move further east. Okay. And, uh, you know, the yearning for all of us towards greater self-realization, we felt we wanted to move further east. And we were like, you know, we don't know where the universe wants us to be next. Mm -hmm. But we will allow the universe to show us. Long story short, and it was clear to us that we are not going to be in a city. Mm. You know, West Van you cannot call West Vancouver exactly a city. Yeah. But still, it was city. You know, we, um, we, it was clear, city, no, we want to be in nature. Mm. That was the only thing that was clear. Whether it's going to be Europe, whether it's going to be Asia, nothing clear. And mm -hmm. we said, we're going to watch the universe. We're going to listen to the universe. The universe is going to communicate to us where we ought to be next. Right. And guess what? In 2019, mm -hmm. a group of people from across the globe, more than 300 people from across the globe, came together and gifted my two kids a home. Mm. This home is in the, in the hills, 
with nature on four sides, wherever I look, all I can see is nature. Mm. Massively spacious, you know, lot of land around, uh, uh, spacious home. Uh, we received this as a gift from more than 300 people on five continents. Amazing. And I myself, I think you know, uh, Aditya, I live a life of material minimalism. Mm. Simply because, you know, I'm not somebody who needs much. Yeah. I'm happy wearing something that I've worn for the last 10 years. Um, I don't need a replacement every season. Mm -hmm. I continue to practice reducing my uh, eco footprint uh, to be kind to the ecology. So material minimalism, and there's also a very profound spiritual reason, by the way, behind the practice of material minimalism. We can go there if you want to. Either ways, you know, so I am not really inclined to want to have a, you know, more material possessions in my life. Mm -hmm. But, you know, my little boy who recently turned six, okay. he's a wild spirit. You know, you let him be and he's going to change the color of, uh, of your home. Yeah. He's going to rearrange the furniture. He's going to turn your kitchen into, I don't know, a playroom. Uh, he's that kind of a wild spirit. And, you know, for my kids to have a little space where where they can call home, you know, where they can draw on the walls and drag the furniture across the floor and do the things that kids love doing. That was a, a yearning that I expressed to the universe. Mm -hmm. You know, a place where if tomorrow I don't wake up, mm -hmm. they still are sheltered. And... Uh, Talking of abundance, the way the universe has responded, you know, we have this beautiful home. Mm. They both love it to bits. They're living every square inch, square centimeter of this home. That for me is uh, the latest story of abundance I like to share. No mortgage, no bank loans. No debts. Of course, I'm indebted mm -hmm. uh, forever to hundreds of people who actually, once their home uh, was ours, more than a hundred people, they came visiting from across the globe to restore the home. Uh, oh, restoration, you know, from uh, saying like, you know, Sujit, just give me a place to sleep. And, you know, it was incredible. And we, we have a wall with the photos, mm -hmm. the name of all these people who are generous souls. This is the universe doing its magic. Mm. The more and more you continue practicing the seven laws, mm -hmm. the more and more you start noticing the exponentiality of things, which is the fourth law. The law of exponentiality. In a, in a conscious plane, receiving is exponential to giving. Mm -hmm. It's only in our, in our worldly plane, you know, in our wakeful consciousness, we think giving and receiving are proportional. Right. Like if I give $5 to you, I get $5 worth of shampoo. Mm-hmm. 
that is the in our wakeful consciousness that is how things work but in the universal plane in the cosmic consciousness uh, receiving give one from a very selfless place just for the joy of giving the receiving is 10 100 1000 you know i know for myself if i had worked my whole life for a paycheck i would never ever be able to uh, you know own a, a, a house like this but that doesn't matter to the universe and of course with such gifts also comes great responsibility that means you know the simple recognition that i have to continue to live my life consciously in service but that is a, a story for you aditya of how generous the universe is thanks a lot for sharing this is indeed a powerful story a testimony so to speak about the nature of the universe and i love that you shared and from time to time we need to listen to what the universe is telling us and if i'm being honest the universe right now is calling me to vancouver island to live in victoria and as you might know yeah in the 3 years back i went to vancouver victoria island and i sat in along the i think it's called gonzales bay right across james bay where you're in a shallow waters and you can see the mount olympus mountains on the other side in the in the usa and i had a very mystical experience there maybe like a satori moment where i could see the water glistening far you know into the horizon and i could feel the warm air and the pebbles below was comforting me there was a sacred energy so to speak that was beckoning me and i knew deep down that sometime in the future I'll spend some uh-huh. time in Victoria away from the city closer to nature really ground getting opportunities to ground myself put my legs in the sand and feel the the uh-huh. presence the grounding so you know if I'm being honest it's it's calling me but we'll have to see you know where where this leads and my question to you is uh, Sujith in order for you to live such a lifestyle as a father as a husband you need to have a really strong and supportive wife as well right someone who also trusts in these principles of abundance of spirituality because otherwise if you don't have somebody like that they'll be like are you okay <laughs> you know you got to be a responsible person how how are you doing this right so are you open to sharing how you met your wife uh, you know and and develop this strong spiritual partnership that is uh, making an impact and helping people around the world um thanks for that question you know <laughs> indeed uh, indeed aditya you know um uh, uh, definitely i'm fortunate that uh, my wife also shares my standards mm. you know when it comes to uh, the giving and receiving part of life you know she's a a world renowned coach and author for women on helping women embody their divine feminine mm. and um, helps countless countless women across the planet you know uh, one on one and in groups but mostly in groups uh, these days mm-hmm. and um, yes you know um, if if you are in a relationship mm. it helps to have a partner who shares your sacred standards for life because you know if um you are stuck in a relationship mm. where 
uh, all you're doing is spending your time trying to force fit your relationship to your dreams mm. and that is not your destiny mm. that is not god's intention for you it is not how it's meant to be right you know alignment balance um you know symphony mm. is the nature of the universe if you look around and look at the perfection of nature mm-hmm. you notice that symphony you know winter comes to an end spring begins birds automatically know how to make a nest mm-hmm. they lay eggs hatch them the bees the flowers bloom bees know how to go find the honey they make their hives you see there's a perfection to that harmony and uh, that is what each one of us we are destined to if that is not what is manifesting in our lives mm-hmm. then there is healing involved there's healing involved mm-hmm. now i've been very fortunate that you know i have a partner who shares my sacred standards with respect to life and it's not just my partner but many many people around me who feel the same way mm-hmm. and she's somebody who i met actually in italia mm-hmm. this 11 years ago you know and italia has been one land that has welcomed me for many many years with such a wide open heart for mm-hmm. my service for my events retreats talks every year uh, italy used to be a land that i would visit okay. and if you know italians they are extremely uh, connection driven people they can't live without connection mm-hmm. they are high intense connection people and with the advent of social media italians have intensified that community feeling online and me being a spiritual practitioner in that field you know and and my wife was also part of that field that's how we uh, uh connected we got to uh you know because we were part of the same community we met and we met and we met in in milano and uh we realized we we have a common path to walk together Amazing. That is a romantic side of the story. <laughs> love that love that you shared that and that you were open to sharing it and it's so important to not just uh, I mean if that's your goal to be in a relationship but to be in a relationship where both of you have a mission a purpose but also are supporting each other in working towards that goal but also growing together. That's amazing. Um and Sujit you also said something once along the lines of um sometimes being in a country or growing up in a country that was once colonized lead to some scarcity mindset right is is yeah. that correct oh very much yeah, please yeah. so my question was around that like what can we do about this how can people especially those who have inherited some level of scarcity through patterns or traumas collective from their ancestors how can they experience more freedom and more of an abundance mentality in this situation wow um I, you know um you raised a very very important point mm. that is 
a lot of our scarcity wounds yeah. are inherited. Mm. I know growing up the difficulty, the material difficulty I had, mm. the material scarcity. And perhaps looking back, the more formative or conditioning experience wasn't the material scarcity in my life. It was the scarcity consciousness of my parents. Because mm. their parents and their parents, etc., they they lived in so much scarcity. Yeah. And growing up with that scarcity, you know, there is something beautiful also about it. That is, there's a great appreciation of the material resources in life. You know, you receive something and you cherish it so much because you, you, it is precious to you. Mm. So it brings a different level of awareness towards things. And I'm grateful for that because even today, I have never forgotten to cherish the beauty of the little things mm. that come my way. Yeah. You know, somebody wants to give me gifts you know it's enough that they give me one gift so that i can fully fully live the experience of that gift and uh, the scarcity consciousness though you know we inherited mm. from our past lives and from our ancestors as i did from my parents mm. that you know they they suffered a lot they struggled a lot mm. and um you know, I'm grateful for those struggles. Mm. And I notice that growing up, I also used to measure the value of things through that scarcity consciousness. And um, the choice we have, though, mm -hmm. is fully, fully within our capacity. And you know, Aditya, I, you told me that you signed up to the Being Abundance Movement. Mm -hmm. You know, this is a movement to help humanity shift from the scarcity consciousness to the abundance consciousness. Because if you look at the, the, the pre-COVID times, mm -hmm. you know, the normal that humanity used to live, you know, I'm surprised that some people would call it normal. Mm. Because most people around me, the periods that life as normal, mm. you know, work-life balance was off. Many were disengaged from their communities and society. Mm -hmm. um, they, um, uh, the, econo the, the economic inequity was so big. Yeah. Political apathy and polarization just growing and growing, not to mention the ecological devastation. Mm -hmm. That was the old normal. And if you take a step back and you look at how we created that old normal, mm -hmm. you will realize it's all because of our inner scarcity. Right. You know, because of our inner scarcity, we give 70, 80 hours of ourselves to work mm -hmm. and not to our family. Because of inner scarcity, we have disconnected ourselves from our community. We don't invest any time into our communities. Because of inner scarcity, we have hoarded money. And there is such huge economic inequity in society. Yeah. Because of inner scarcity, 
we have been so power hungry yeah we have been so ideological in our politics and governments because of our inner scarcity we have plundered the ecology you see if we can use this lockdown moment to help humanity shift from the scarcity paradigm the scarcity consciousness to the abundance consciousness then we can create a completely new reality mm-hmm. and that choice is the mission of the being abundance movement and the simple recognition here there uh, aditya is that we have a choice every one of us we have the choice mm-hmm. we we can make the choice to shift ourselves from uh, the inner lack to inner abundance mm-hmm. and that is the law of echo and the law of echo says that everything that manifests around us mm-hmm. is an echo of everything that we manifest within us mm-hmm. so when we experience a relationship scarcity or or material scarcity make no mistake you know there is inner scarcity and that inner scarcity is getting uh, reflected or echoed outwardly mm-hmm. in the material plane or in the worldly plane and in the being abundance movement we focus on mm, helping humanity embody the abundance consciousness because from that place there is this incredible shift mm-hmm. incredible healing and growth that we can orchestrate incredible just that inner place so doesn't matter you know in 1100 ad in your india used to be the richest land on the planet with 30% of global gdp and then thousands of years of material scarcity and a relationship breakdowns and plundering and genocide none of that matters mm. doesn't matter that our grandparents starved mm. our parents starved you know we all lived in one room mm-hmm. and you know there was one lamp in the whole house yeah. with one that none of that is relevant right all of that is there we are conditioned within but to move from the scarcity consciousness to the abundance consciousness mm-hmm. that is a personal choice the seven laws are basically tools to enforce that personal choice but it's a personal choice and the moment we embody that abundance consciousness then in the worldly plane mm-hmm. in the material plane everything will transform into abundance love that love that you know my uh, you know my uh, knowing about india and the history of india was limited to what i learned in school from the textbooks mm-hmm. when i was growing up and boy did i learn that the textbooks were full of propaganda but two years back or three years back actually i came across some books that really illuminated the truth about india and the vastness about our heritage and the knowledge of yoga and tantra and ayurveda and vedanta and the fact that a lot of this information was actually repurposed once it came back to the west and no bad to the west they also did their job in you know promoting indian vedic sciences and yogic sciences but uh, you know like you put it you know we, there's always an opportunity to now go back and really uncover 
the truth about what India was, is, and will be as we cherish our own gifts, um, whether it's from Kerala, whether it's from Kashmir, North India, West India, East India, and also support uh, the rest of the world in this growth and, and, and development. And uh, I love that you're putting forth a new idea, a new vision about what we can uh, bring about in this world from the old normal, which wasn't really the normal, it was a bad normal, to a new and empowering normal for the rest of humanity. Um, uh, Sujit, you mentioned that true wealth is neither a possession nor a resource. It stems from the universe. So help us, you know, understand this concept a bit because there's so many different definitions yeah. about wealth and, you know, how you build it. Yeah. So help us understand this a bit. Wow. You know, I, I firstly, I want to acknowledge that the thought you shared about India, you know, how mm -hmm. grateful I am mm -hmm. that there is an element of Indianness mm -hmm. within me. You know, yeah. if, if I can be accused of any identification, which is the nature of the ego, mm. is what, you know, identification, identifying with things, with anything. If you can accuse me of identification, let it be this one thing, mm -hmm. the Indianness that I'm gratefully holding within me. I don't mean India as a, as a geographic thing or as a, a religious concept or anything. No, simply as a, as a localized field of consciousness mm. that helps me in my mukti, my liberation. Mm. Um, so thank you for those words of acknowledgement to our roots. You know, the process of self-realization includes fully owning the wholeness, mm. uh, including our roots, that an Iranian can never be fully self-realized by fully cutting their spiritual umbilical cord from their heritage. Yeah. Like an Indian cannot, yeah. you know. You, you can become a, a, a fully uh, Canadian or an American. And with having that uh, spiritual connection to a vast ocean of which, you know, you are a part of, mm. You know, you are not only a part of that vast ocean, you're also, as you put it before, a microcosm of that ocean. Yeah. So when you cut that umbilical cord to your roots, you're actually diminishing that vastness of that microcosm within you. Mm. So thank you for those words of acknowledging your roots. Mm. Um, you know, um, the last, the seventh law of abundance is the law of inexhaustibility. Mm. That means simple, true wealth is inexhaustible. And this is again subjective. For some people, um, the, the IT knowledge is wealth. For you, your wisdom of breath work is wealth. Mm. You know, in the sense that when you offer a breath work session to somebody, mm. suddenly you're not depleted. You're not, you don't lose in the process. You still have the knowledge of breath work with you and somebody has benefited from it. Mm -hmm. Love, happiness, laughter is wealth. Mm. Because when you share wealth, I mean, sorry, when you share love, it multiplies. Yeah. It doesn't reduces at your end. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And if you look at it in a purely clinical way, in a purely economical way, you know, it's not easy to understand the the expansiveness of wealth, true mm. wealth. You know, what do we say? You know, in the materialistic paradigm, we say, oh, you know what? We create wealth mm. through sweat, toil, hard labor. We create wealth. There's an alternate paradigm. Mm. And that paradigm, the paradigm of the wise souls, the mystics, the sages, is the simple recognition that the universe is an abundant field. It's a field of infinite abundance that what we call the unmanifest Mm. is a field of infinite possibilities, a field from which anything can be created. Mm. Anything can be created. And the moment you are willing to accept that, you know, wealth is neither created nor destroyed, that wealth is not something that when when we put hard labor and a lot of sweat and toil, 80 hours a week, 90 hours a week, uh, create wealth. Mm. That is the, 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 the post-industrial age capitalistic thinking. Mm-hmm. And fortunately, in Vancouver, it's a very spiritually vibrant city mm-hmm. where people are actively exploring alternate modalities of uh, attracting abundance. Um, there is a simp- this recognition that we need to tap into this field of infinite abundance. Mm. And Tapping into that field means it's not an act. It's not uh, an act of doingness. Mm-hmm. It's an act of beingness. When we align ourselves more and more and more with that field, with the universal field of abundance, mm-hmm. then automatically we are also abundance. So the way to attract abundance it's a daily process of self-attunement with the universe. Or I'd say being abundance, the reason why the movement is called the being abundance movement. That if you want to manifest abundance in the worldly setting, the first thing we need to do, of course, there's an alternative, that least, at least that is what people believe, wrongly mm-hmm. so, sorry to be judgmental, you know, that if I would just apply myself a hundred hours a week, I will have abundance. Mm. In, in net, that's not true. Because you might put a hun- apply a hundred hours of yourself to attract a little money into your bank account, but you're not abundant. Right. You're still depleted. You're still scarce. You're still absent in love. You're still unpresent to your kids, you're disengaged with the self, just the celebration of the self, all these areas. Never mind, the the seventh law, the law of inexhaustibility talks about our endeavor to align the self with the universal field of infinite abundance. So it is a process of self-attunement. And the moment we can uh, attune ourselves with that, that cosmic 
field, with that vibration, with that field, mm-hmm. then suddenly we are also the same as abundant as the universe is. So it is, um, that is a secret to have holistic abundance in life. Yeah, that's amazing. And I'm sure that people who are listening to the show right now are recalibrating their understanding of what, uh, you know, they know about wealth, which is a new idea that you're sort of putting forth, which is you don't own the wealth. You don't work, 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 hustle to get that wealth. But you are a custodian of that wealth that is there not to enrich you, but to create something of meaning of purpose that will hopefully be remembered after you pass on. And so it's not about doing more, but it's about really aligning yourself with the grand flow, the tidal wave of wealth, so that it, you know, puts forth things, opportunities, people, experiences that will help you, you know, on your mission. And along that lines, you've said, you are precisely given all your karma in order to live your dharma. So, Help us understand a little bit more about this because sometimes karma and dharma people have different interpretations of what they are. So, Indeed, you know, I'm also looking at the time. So I want to be respectful uh, to the constraints here sure. and not to overload the the audience. You know, one of the things that I've always maintained is the science of consciousness is uh, uncopyrighted. Mm-hmm. It is accessible to all. Yeah. You know, many, many, many years ago, uh, Aditya, I was invited to speak at uh, a plenary uh, in in a United Nations session. Yeah. And I spoke about the 31st basic human right. That is the right to Mm self-realization. You know, there's a list of 30 beautiful basic human rights mentioned. Mm -hmm. And I admire each one of them. And we have a responsibility to ensure that everyone can live those rights. But I spoke about the 31st basic human right, the right to Mm self-realize. That means all this wisdom of consciousness that is being there even before humanity existed and will continue to be there even after the existence of humanity is meant for all. Mm And that means every one of my books, talks, uh, videos, audios, uh, even events, uh, I never put a price tag. Mm -hmm. And um, knowing that there is plenty. And why I'm sharing this is because if there is any, any of your listener who feels that they are in a financially challenged place today, Mm-hmm. but would like to uh, embrace the the seven laws into their life, then they should never hesitate to reach out to me. Or perhaps easier is simply just going to um, beingabundance.org and they have access to the seven laws in their own language. It's there in so many languages uh, on that site, mm-hmm. the seven laws. Um, no price tags attached to it. Just so that they can continue practicing um, this wisdom. Uh, on the, each one of us, you know, Swadharma, you know, each one of us, you know, there is a, a unique path destined for each one of us to self-realize. Mm-hmm. For 
some people it is an atheist path for some people it's a christian path or an islam path or a yogic path whatever that path is that path is unique to each one of us there's a reason for existence call it dharma for mm-hmm. each one of us now each one of us by virtue of our life experiences we are being drawn in a certain direction in life that is a karma part you know uh, to just to give you an example suppose you have grown up in a family in a very you know to use a, a word from the western psychology dictionary a dysfunctional family mm-hmm. you know the traumas within me your karma is you know having grown up in a dysfunctional or in an abusive family um when you grow up there's a likelihood that you yourself would get into a dysfunctional family or relationship or you will be a celibate or a single because the traumas of those past experiences mm. that's those traumas are your karma and the choices we make unconsciously based on those traumas take us it's not unconscious it's all part of a higher conscious design will take you will will help you make certain choices mm-hmm. will force you to make certain choices that will get you on your way of uh, uh realizing the reason for your existence mm-hmm. from <clears throat> vancouver city mm-hmm. i know this example of a beautiful young lady i remember once she came into one of my spaces in one of my retreats and her story has been that for many years of her life she uh, took the path of drug uh, dependency so she was into drugs and with a lot of help from many different people she got out of it was not about the the drugs itself her daily dread used to be that she would slip back into that old life mm-hmm. so she lived for many many years with that dread that fear that she would slip back into that old life and when she came into that retreat and she was there for a couple of days and she was going deep inwards she came to this very very profound realization of her dharma she concluded that in this lifetime her sadhana her service seva her uh, gift to humanity would be to help others who have come out of drugs and who live in the daily fear of uh relapsing into drugs helping them find courage and free themselves from that dread mm-hmm. you see a connection between karma and dharma because she came through that life she was unequivocal crystal clear that her dharma her way forward in her life in this form is to help others who live in this daily dread of relapsing into drugs mm. and she such an amazing job i'm sharing this example as an example of how karma informs our dharma also hoping that for at least some of our listeners 
to to be grateful mm-hmm. for some of our past experiences absolutely and thanks a lot sujit for sharing so far action tribe as we wrap up this interview i hope you now have some principles some ideas uh about how to experience more abundance in your life sometimes it's easy to get caught up with feelings of scarcity like there's not enough like you have to fight to get your share or even emotions of feeling not enough not smart enough or not rich enough not charming enough and while by that might be easy to believe because of our social reality you must go inwards because your consciousness is the only reality and it is from there that you must create and there is no limit to what we can create based on what sujith has shared with us from within your imagination because just like michael beckwith once put there's enough for everyone if you can believe it if you can see it if you can act from it it'll show up for you that is the truth and sujith we've come to the last round for today four questions rapid fire style so that our listeners <laughs> can take note and take some action so what is the best piece of advice that you have ever received wow wow best piece of i mean there's so many best pieces coming up but i'd say uh the power of eternal optimism and if you could turn back time spend 1 hour with someone who's living or maybe who is not living right now who would it be mm. uh my dad my dad you know he passed away when i was 15 mm. and i carried him uh within me through many unhealed wounds for the next 17 years mm. i'd i'd go back and tell him like you know I love you and you've been the greatest gift in my life. What is that one thing you do in the morning or in the evening before you sleep that has improved the quality of your life? Hmm. Every morning waking up into 20 30 minutes of silence and self-connection. Wonderful. And how can someone get a hold of your book to learn more about, you know, these principles of abundance? um a all of my books simply online simply online anywhere you know in many languages if not simply just uh, send me a message through uh, sujitravindran.com or uh, being abundance movement and uh, somebody will help amazing so we'll have all these links up in the show notes especially if somebody wants to join the being abundance movement and be part of this global uh, revolution that's happening led by sujit uh, sujit thank you so much for your time um action tribe if you have any questions comments observations for me aj at my7chakras.com aj at my7chakras.com but so just thank you so much for coming on our show talking to us about abundance leadership and the new world and taking us one step closer to a human revolution wow thank you thank you for having me here and thank you for being who you are aditya Thank you for listening to My 7 Chakras at my7chakras.com that is my s e v e n chakras.com
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.